Welcome to the Whining Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. The podcast that is saying, at least you don't support Reese Rovers. On this pod, we draw our conclusions from January's action. Scott Allardyce, Ryan Ayson and Austin Samuels draw up their tears for a chat. Manny Duku's time draws to a close. The curtains are drawn on another transfer window and talk about more draws than the good, the bad and the ugly. All that and the usual 27 years worth of ICT references packed into now with a well conjecture and mild distraction. Let's shuffle. What did Tarzan see when he found his screwdriver? There's it! Welcome one and all, I'm Andrew Moffat and joining me today for this big showdown is Lucky Day, Andrew Young, hello. Happy New Year. Dusty Bottom, Stevie Riley, how you doing? No bad, mate, hello. And Ned Nederlander, Andrew Sutherland, how's it going? Hello. Get stuck in since we last recorded we've played eight games we've won none we've drawn five lost three um but what has been what has been your good your bad and your ugly of cali thistle football to continue the cowboy parlance or of scottish football in general of the last of the last month or so um you could have anything you know for good maybe a bit of a struggle for bad quite easy for ugly Michael Gardine's gone, so don't know. Uh, what have you got, lads? The good thing is we're obviously not Wraith Rovers, so you know that's, um, that's <laughs> good <Stop> start. <laughs> I think for me, for me, the good will start positive, and uh, yeah, you're, you're you're clutching and strong. I, I think the same. The same. Sam Pearson looks positive. I think of the new signings, he looks like someone that again against Morton. I was I was perplexed why he got taken off at half time, but the boy's got a lot of pace about him. He's direct. He takes a man on and. It looks like he can cross the ball, so it's it's looking promising. But early days, though. For me, I think um, well, Robbie D staying despite that rumored interest from St Johnson. That's that's definitely a good thing. Um, McAleer seems to have come onto a good game. The bad was well, pretty obvious. You know, our our form has been rotten. It's starting to match our kind of performances, which, as we've long discussed, have not been that good for a while. So maybe we're now kind of seeing getting the kind of results our performances deserve. Um, yeah, they're, they're probably the kind of the highs and lows for me yeah. uh, I decided to go outside the club because um, it was just too depressing kind of going through all the games so for me the good is Dougie Emery's Morton um, who have just on a, they're on a remarkable run four wins and two draws in six games since he took over he's already got more points than um, Gus McPherson did in, in 18 games so um, I don't know he's going you know, to be interested to see what happens to his career the bad I was going to say Kilmarnock when they went and gold down to Dunfermline today. So I was thinking, you know, they've hurled money at everything. And I was thinking three games in a row and they're absolutely shite. But unfortunately, they, they turned it around. So I'll say Queen of the South instead because they, they look absolutely doomed. And uh, the ugly is uh, Cole Donaldson's debut for Dunfermline. Uh, <laughs> also also hilarious. Um, sure. Shipping five and, and scoring an own goal. Um, and I can't, can't, I mean, we were 
being our usual hopeless selves against someone at the same time. I can't remember it was either Wraith or both, but it was it was highly entertaining seeing that coming in on the on the wires. Okay, we'll touch we'll touch game by game uh, in this in the second section, but um, since we've not had a pod in quite a while, we're going to do an overview and we're going to have a look at, at everything. So since last we recorded, as we said, eight games, five draws, three defeats. Um, the defeats coming by a, a single goal deficit in each match. Each match, so. Still five points, still third in the league as we record. It's not great. Some people, some people say it's it's worse than not great. Some people say it's not as bad as it could be. Football's a game of opinions, so let's provide our opinions on these eight matches, Jensen. Try and summarise some of the other opinions that are out there that you've heard that you've seen. So, what's what's your take? There's been a lot of hyperbole online. Um, there's maybe some some skewed expectations overall where the club should be um, before we've been in the past, but results tell the story. No wins in eight games, but third in the league. Where is the club? Let's summarise. Where is the club right now? Where is this? And where is this team right now in the context of this season, Stevie? Oh, we're in the playoffs. That's, that's a fact. I mean, as a recording, we're in the playoff spot. And I think, barring our bros, the league's been shit this season. I mean, it's been a very poor league. If you look to like ourselves, Kilmarnock, some of the results we've had. At this running that we're on at the moment, any other season we've been mid-table. You know, it just shows that we're probably... We're, we're so glad we had such a good start to the season, which is which is rare for us. We're normally starting to pick up now and chasing it and leaving it a couple of weeks too late. So I think having that good start is a good thing, but is it a fact that maybe we were, we were found out by other teams after the first round of fixtures? Because the first nine were on fire, then we go to the second round of fixtures, all of a sudden the wheels come off. So whether we're too predictable, I, I'll talk about it later, but I think the lack of plan B is killing us. We don't have an option to... To change things when other teams, the likes of Dunfermline, the last two games against them, at halftime gets changed up and uh, they come out like a different team and we can't we can't capitalise on it. Morton last week, there was no plan B. I mean, it was dial, it's the worst of seasons all season. So I think there's a few things come off, but the facts are we're still in there, still in a chance. We're not going to win the league, but we're still in a chance of finishing the playoff spots. But it's it's been a poor league, in my opinion, so far this season, barring our growth. Yeah, I think if you offered most of the fans at the start of the season, you know, say it, you know, coming up to the midpoint of February, you could be third in the league and six points off the top. I think most people would probably take that, but it's just the fact that the performances have been so poor. And, you know, it's not a recent thing. We've been, we haven't been playing well for a while. And as I said, you know, a wee while ago, you know, we're, we're probably now getting the results that our performances deserve. We just haven't been good enough. Stevie touched there about um, the kind of drop off after the first round of fixtures. You know, we really did start off the season really, really well. You know, we took something like 80% of available points in the first round of fixtures, winning 80% of the games. By the time you come around to the second round of fixtures, that, that drops significantly. Um, you know, our win percentage dropped from something like 78% to 33%. I don't know, maybe just a case of teams found us out. Obviously, the well-publicised or well-rumoured off-the-field issues um, started to kick in around about this point as well. But we really have seemed to have lost our way, and it just doesn't seem to be a way to readdress that at the time um, time of recording. And... I don't know, I just, it's just the fact that there's been this prolonged um, stretch of poor performances and people are just fed up with it. People don't mind, fans don't mind if their team loses as long as performance has been good. But we've been losing games and drawing games and not really having much to show from it. And I don't like being too harsh on the team, but I think even the, I think even the players would probably acknowledge, yeah, we've not really been firing all cylinders here. Uh, I don't know, the party games actually left me, funnily enough, feeling a bit more optimistic than I was. 
Mm. I mean, defending was absolutely horrible again, but we can we can point to the injury problems to some extent, you know, there with, with Devine being, still being out. Um, but going forward, I think we were as good as we've been since the Martin game. I think Pearson, I mean, I'm going to talk about Pearson later when we talk about new signings, but I think he's starting to look like he's a player that could could be a genuine creative influence. You know, he's he, he's willing to get beyond the beyond the fullback. And um McAleer, I think as well. You know, you're seeing his influence as well. He's he's developed as a player. He's becoming more influential. Um, you know, does a lot of good work in the kind of the final third, or just kind of between midfield and the final third. So I think you know, if we can bounce on from that, then we could actually, if we can take that into the air game, then we could actually, you know, hopefully build on it. Martin was hopefully a low. Martin was horrendous. But I, I think you know we saw there that the team can kind of uh, step it up as they did in the second half can take games to people and can create, you know, which was something I was starting to doubt. Well, there's been, there's been a lot of criticism of the manager. There's been, a, there's been as much criticism of the manager as I can remember there being criticism of a Cali Thistle manager. The only, some of the vitriol, I mean, we probably have to look back to Craig Brewster to, to see the sort of same level of vitriol I've seen against um, Billy Dodds from certain people. And it, does, he, does he not deserve some respect for what he's achieved at the start of the season? With that essentially ten game run, there was only one defeat within those first ten games. But not only for that, but for the run last season when McCann had come in, and we had six games, I think, without a win, and he's come in and he turned us around. So he's got that run last season where Billy Dodds has helped out, helped basically save the club from a relegation dogfight, and he's got those essentially ten games this season already. Then he loses a lot of players through injury. Um, We've lost Danny Devine, who's been the best defender. We've lost our best player in Allardyce. And yeah, he doesn't have a plan, plan B. But well, maybe he does have a plan B because if you look at the Morton game, he had a plan B, he had a plan C, he had a plan D. It's just none of it actually worked. So do you think some of this criticism is, is warranted or do you think some of it's completely over the top? I think, I think it's harsh. But again, touching on the subs point, I think it's the way we're playing. I mean, the Morton game, he started with a different system from the beginning, but... I think it's the, the the lack of opportunities to change. You know, I mean, we've we've threw as much money at the squad as we ever have done this season. I know we've been unlucky with, with injuries, but yeah, I'd I'd give them more time. I, I think some of the stuff I've heard and seen online is it's it's up there with maybe Brewster and Foran towards the end, and it's 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 his first job. I know he's been in football a long time, but it's his first job, and he's we're in the playoffs. I mean, he's a victim of past performances in terms of how we've played. Not, I think results are one thing. I think it's just the way we've lost games and drew games that's irking fans, in my opinion. I think the fact that, I mean, I know obviously Kamarnik are the kind of the, the big fish in the small pond this season, but they're the smallest big fish that's been in this championship pond for some time. And I think there's been heightened expectations as a result that pretty much any team, you know, your Invernesses, your Wraith Rovers, your Park Pistols, this was the season to really have a go. And, you know, obviously that fantastic run of form at the start of the season, that obviously, I think, heightened expectations even more for us. Even though most fans would probably be happy with the playoffs, I think a lot of people really did buy into this team, you know, potentially challenging for the title. And it's just the the drop-off in, you know, performances is absolutely staggering. You know, I was looking at the numbers earlier on and, we're not quite through this final round of fixtures for, for round three, but even if we do, say, beat Hamilton in air, our average points per game has gone from 2.3 for the first nine fixtures down to 1.4 for the second round, and it'll be an absolute maximum of 1.2 for the third round. 
it's just that I know he's been unlucky with injury, but there's maybe an argument to me that he hasn't looked capable of adapting and you know to, to, to his available resources, which which managers just have to do. Um, and I don't feel we, we needed to bring in more attacking players to replace the likes of Gardner and McDonald, but. We, 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 we've desperately needed a right back for some time now. Carson's filled in fine there. Dees has done okay on the left side, but there, there's maybe an argument, you know, we've not strengthened in the right areas to really improve the squad. Um, you know, that, that, and that probably falls down the manager as well, I would say. Talk about those, that, that change between, the difference between the first 10 games and the next 10 games stuff. But the team that won those first 10, that's a completely different team. Duku was playing up front. Doran is yep. playing. Gardine is playing. Allardyce yep. is playing. Devine is playing. It's a completely different team. Do you think that Dodds was too reliant, Stevie Uriwa, do you think Dodds was too reliant on that team in those first seven, eight, nine, ten games because it was pretty much the same team starting and a lot of our people weren't given a chance? Was he too reliant on them and he should have mixed it up earlier on? Because although, and I think Allardyce will say this later on in the pod, although we were winning matches... We were we were never hitting the heights we could hit. Yeah, I was just—I don't know. It's an incredibly hard question, simply because that thing about you know why change a winning team, why change a formula that seems to be working, and it was for a long time. I think um, Billy Mackay probably could have got more time earlier. But Duku, I mean, Duku didn't score in those games. You know, he did—he did okay. He—he—he he, he, um, he was quite a pest. But um, I think uh, Mackay would certainly have been at least as effective, and we might have seen us seen us getting you know a couple more goals rather than. Um, you know, winning every game one nil. So in that respect, yeah, he could, he could have done that. But I, I, I sympathise with the fact that he didn't. You know, he, he he didn't want to mess with a formula that seemed to be working. You know, um, and I agree. I also agree with you know what you said Muff, about being a completely different team. It's maybe a little bit unfair to say that he's not really making the most of the resources he's got when all the attackers he's brought in are still kind of bedding in. They're sort of unknown quantities at the moment. We need to give them a little bit longer. I do agree with stuff about, about fullbacks. We definitely need fullbacks. I think rather than brought in four players who are all broadly attackers, I don't think, you know, do we need, say for the sake of argument, Hardy more than we need a right back? You know, I don't think so. I just got to remember our best player was Gardine up to that point. And then you we know what happened there. So yeah, that was, that, that was a massive, uh, massive disruption in the squad. I mean, I don't think it should to be to blame for the massive drop off, but I think it, initially the first couple of weeks there was, yeah, a reaction to that. That's that's, that's the three best players from that period taking out the team, as you say, Divine, um, Gardine, and, and Allardyce. So yeah, he has to find a different way of play. Do you think, and this is even before the new guys have come in, do you think that let's talk about Dodds as in the context of his first season as a as a full time manager, albeit he's been in football for you know forty years, 30, 40 years. Um, he's respected within the game, but this is his first full-time gig as a as a full-time football manager. Um, albeit he's been an assistant, does he is he married to a style of football? Do you think he wants to be married to a style of football? And do you think he knows his best team? Well, the thing is, when when Dodds came in, he, he if I remember rightly, he, he was talking about you know he wanted to get the ball wide, get it on the ground, get the ball wide, get crossing for the strikers to attack. We've seldom seen that, and and that's even with. You know, kind of the like the, the full strength team we probably had at the start of the season it does seem to have kind of descended into really quite rapid, direct balls forward. Um, it's, it's almost like the players seem at times a wee bit nervous to try and get their foot in the ball and, and do something, or, or maybe they're being told by the manager to get it forward. I don't know, but my point is basically that the 
the style of football he said he wanted to try and play at the start of the season doesn't really seem to be what we're getting on the pitch right now for whatever reason. So I, I do kind of wonder if maybe he's, you know, to some extent made a rod for his own back um, by wanting to do one thing and then not really doing it. He's, he's, he, he's played three different. He's, he had he's had different styles. Though this, the point is, when he came in to help out McCann, he changes mm. to some to essentially an, an a sensible um, defensive four four two counter attack side, which was a pragmatic approach and it worked. And then this season, he sort of tried to take the same shape and be more sort of more attacking with it, having working with the ball. But then other times, he's asked wingers to go out wide and hit touchline stay there and then other times we played really well when wingers have come inside um it was a game recently we had 21 shots cutting some of notes somewhere um i think it was a 2-2 with going to the south going to the south yeah we had more shots than that than we had in the, in the previous three games combined and then we had the game where we were in park thistle away no no and that was one of the best performances of the season stevie the won best all time. yeah so in all of these matches and in the defending one no ones as well, resolute defending, you've got about three or four different styles, three or four different ways of playing football. Do you think that's now coming back to bite him? Because the player's like, where do we stand? How are we playing? What sort of team are we? Maybe, is it not partly that it's what you expect from certain players he hasn't necessarily got? I mean, Sof was talking about players setting bylines and, and, and getting beyond. Gardine did that, that to some extent, but we know that he's gone now. And I think we maybe would have expected more of that from Tom Walsh, um, but Walsh has not really kicked on this season you know I think he looks he tends to look a wee bit hesitant he's had flashes that Queen and South game match I thought Walsh was was decent in fact yeah. but he's not done he's not really done enough of that um, I'm not also not sure if it was you know Duke who played those first few games and I'm not sure if that was really his game he had an awful tendency to kind of drop quite deep you know which doesn't really um, lend itself well to a team that are kind of like um, trying to get beyond press and, and, and get balls on the strikers feet in the box so there was partly that as well um, so I'm not sure if, his, if it's so much that he just can't decide what he wants to do, is that the players that he's got haven't been able to do it. Again, it'll be interesting to see what happens when he gets, um, you know, when Pearson's kind of firing and when he works out where he actually wants to play, the likes of Samuels and, and Chalmers, because I don't know if he knows where he wants to play them yet. I think an important person he needs to get back soon is Rory McGregor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't really, I don't think anyone seems to know what's, I mean, he's obviously out of the team, he's injured, but... I think there was some mention about maybe a thigh injury or something recently. We, you know, we could we could do with finding out what's going on with the with, with the kid, and hopefully he's back in the men sooner. We get him back on the team because we, we we definitely miss him. He's um you know he could potentially play a um important role in the, the rest of the season. Him, him and Allardyce had formed a good partnership around the season. Fine, we've lost Allardyce, but you know we can at least get um, McGregor back. Maybe team him up with you know Sean Welsh, uh, Reese McAleer in midfield. Um, might be able to rekindle that um, a similar kind of partnership that Allardyce and McGregor had um, earlier on in the season where we were quite successful. Assuming play- sorry, so I was going to say assuming he plays him in there. I mean, you wonder yeah. if you might think consider playing him in the ten. I think it's been um, rather player. Yeah, he's, he's he's does very um, loyal to to Shane Sutherland, and I think um, there's been some games when he's asking. He's asking too much of Shane. Well, this, 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 is a, this is an arsenic that's, that's used to beat the manager. Yeah. I, th- um, I think Shane actually gets unfair, you know, too much unfair. Someone, I saw someone describing him as a, a passenger the other day, and I think that's unfair. It was like after the Martin game, and he was probably our hardest working player in the Martin game. But the thing was, it was almost like he was trying to do too much. He was the link between midfield and attack. And um, things weren't really coming off from him. He was, he was kind of chasing around everywhere. And what you really want is someone in there who's really confident with their back to goal, can take the ball, can turn, can make space for themselves, can bring players into the and to play on either side of them, thread balls through. And Shane's very often sort of you know chasing 
chasing around and harrying, but not really kind of bringing that sort of that calm and, and buying time in that role. You know, I think they need a player with you know better feet. Essentially. See, when he did play that three at the back, um, two up front against Morton, I thought, here we go. You know, this this could be the system for us. I think we've talked about it in group chats or whatever. Um, we've got the defenders to play three at the back, five at the back, whatever you want to call it. And then if you had Roddy McGregor, you know, the perfect sort of player. Yeah. I mean, Roddy McGregor behind two strikers. Come on. Yeah. You know, that's he doesn't even need to, to run beyond. Roddy McGregor feeding balls to two strikers, two attacking wingbacks. So he um, might he might well do that, but I th- I thought um, Chalmers could play that role, and and he obviously hasn't. Yeah, I thought that as well, but the manager obviously doesn't. Oh, I think I'll, I'll right. point I've got is I think at the end of January, I think did we not have the second best defensive record in the league? Didn't we? We've only lost three games, and I think that's maybe dictated some of the signings. But I agree, we needed needed uh-huh. a defender, not been there. I mean, hopefully Lewis Nicholson, that, Lewis Nicholson might come if Russian gets some uh, game time. I think they have high hopes for him, but. Yeah, too, too many strikers, too many wave players signed, in my opinion. I suppose one, one last thing, actually, is just that um, when people have been talking about Billy Dodds, there's actually people, a lot of them are people I really like and respect and I respect their opinion, but they're talking about not just that they're calling for his head, but they're actually discussing a sacking as if it's, if it's, that it's completely feasible that it could happen. And there's just, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. People said that as well. Some sense people that I've, I would listen to have said some. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I mean. It, it, it's funny that it's just there's absolutely no way it's happening. No, you know, I, I think I think it would be wrong anyway. I think if we're in the stage, if we're at the point of sacking managers in our first season when we're third in the league, then we're really in trouble. But you know, for all sorts of practical financial reasons, there's absolutely no way he's going anywhere. anywhere yeah. You just you've just touched on probably the answer to my next point, but I do wonder how. Dodds might be fearing if he was allowed to bring in his own coaching team, which is a point I've seen mentioned online. Mm. And that's not to talk down, you know, Barry Wilson, Kelker, or anything like that. But you know, when if, if a new manager comes in, and you saw it with Foreign, didn't we, for a while? You know, Foreign was basically told, right, you're the you're the manager now, and this is the coaching staff you're working with. Um, he was working with um, Chipper at the time, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, I say I I I think um, Kelleher especially is an excellent coach, so I'm I'm sure obviously Dodds would want him around. But you know, you, you do sometimes wonder if um, maybe Dodds would prefer to get someone else in, either in addition to or, or to replace the guys that are there. I don't know. Um, yeah, he did bring these two guys in. Remember, they brought in Ross Hughes and he brought oh, yeah, in, yeah, the fitness guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he yep, brought yep. in the video analysis guy who was accounting as well. So I think yep. that's true. I agree with you a little bit. I mean, I, I think we've got a great coaching team there, and it's not to bash them. But I no, think, no. It's hard to get coaches to to relocate and to fair play the club. They've given them, they've given them Ross Hughes, and they've given them the, the money to bring in these video analysis guys. So again, we'll we'll back them. Right. Well, we don't need video analysis when we just have our memories. <laughs> you got no soul, you rubber bumpers. Spit that. Well, well. Okay, let's look at some some recent action. Maybe definitely the the more recent ones rather than the ones that are far back in the mind. Um, cast our minds back to some key moments in this winless run. Wednesday, the 9th of February, Partick home, 3-3 draw. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? A snowy, freezy, freezing evening on the banks of the Murray Firth, a night in which six goals were served up by on-form forwards and the fist-pumping 94th-minute salmon that is Kirk Broadfoot. If we do play like that with the tempo and aggression for the rest of the season, do we win more games than we lose and do we finish in the playoffs? Not if we defend like that. Um, that's my only worry. I mean, 
I love the player Scott Tiffany. I think the best player in the league. I think he tore Carson apart in the early stages. But yeah, it's it's, it's a frustrating one, Moff, because I'm delighted to get the point and stuff like that. And I didn't see the goal coming. And I thought that's another home defeat. But defended with criminal from both teams. I mean, I don't think they they, they can hold their hands up and say they defended well. But it's just another example of a tight. I don't want to say you can't say call a three zero a shit league game, but it's just two teams that are. They're struggling, aren't they? They're not getting, they're not getting three or four wins together. I mean, it's just sort of game that could cap out our season, though. And the next game against the other is going to be massive. But yeah, a last minute equaliser sometimes feels like a win, but we need three points. That's that's that's, that's evident. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I agree, agree with you about the defending. Uh, I, I mean, Carson obviously, like, I think he he looked like he'd almost kind of he just knew that Tiffany was past him for the first goal, so it looked really kind of half hard. The second, he was closer to him, and he still couldn't stop, stop him getting the cross in, but. That second goal is really frustrating because um, it wouldn't have happened if Walt Stuffy hadn't managed to lose a header in the centre of the park to a player who was like a foot much shorter than him. Cammy Smith, um, you know, yeah. kind of like out jumps him and like that header goes directly to um, Tiffany, who's already on the move. And then he puts in that um, puts in that cracking cross, you know. And again, surely someone should have been a bit closer to, to Graham. You know, he comes off Duffy, Broadfoot doesn't seem to realise he's behind him. He's in loads of space, you know. And, I, you know, it just feels like um, we were kind of like, we were up against players who were a few thoughts, you know, ahead of us. You know, they were just much, much sharper. Um, and that was frustrating. There was, a, there was a wonderful, you know, audible sigh from Ross Tokley. I think one of our people on the podcast <laughs> like, uh, was talking about Ross Tokley's audible sighs. And one of the most audible was when, um, Cammy Smith out jumped Duffy for that, and it was almost like he could see it. He could see it coming. You know, it's great. It's great having Tokley in the commentary. Actually, it's like you're actually sitting watching the game with him, isn't it? Mm. It's great. Really good. Uh, really good. Uh, one thing I would say is obviously, you know, Riley quite rightly pointed out um, how good Tiffany was um, getting the ball down and really running at Carson. You know, Carson really did struggle to contain him. What I'm hoping for is that Pearson could maybe be our equivalent. I think we saw flashes in this game of what Pearson could maybe do for us. Um, I think there was there was one chance, one chance he had to run at the Partick defenders in the second half. I think it was, and I think he just basically kind of ran straight into them. And I think it was, I think it was totally picked up on on commentary that perhaps he should just be, you know, kind of like Tiffany does, just just knock the ball ahead of, of the man ahead of you and just burst past them. The, 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 the lad's clearly got a bit of pace about him. Um, so ho- hopefully we can maybe see Pearson playing a bit more like Tiffany in the, in the weeks to come. I think he could be quite important for us. Um, you know, as we're now heading towards the kind of business end of the season, uh, we need more creativity out wide. Hopefully uh, Pearson's the guy to give us that um, wee spark in the wide areas. He had a hell of a shot off the bar, didn't he, in the second half? Yes, that, yeah. That tight angle. I know, I know Carson had a, had a tough game, but his cross for Bikai's goal was a peach, probably the best cross in the yeah, So That was really good. Fair yeah. play. I think that hopefully we see a change in style of play as well, because as much as Dodds at the beginning of the season said he wanted to play wide, get balls in, it's not happened, but certainly I think we crossed the one more against this one. I've seen it in the last few months anyway, so hopefully that's a, it's a shift to how we're going to play. Talking of crosses, actually, McAleer's cross for um, the win, for the equaliser in the night fourth minute was absolutely beautiful. You know, you hit that corner. And it came straight back out to him, and that second cross he put in was an absolute cracker, you know. So, um, I know he's—I mean, he would be wasted kind of out wide the whole time, but he looks like you know someone that possibly could, you know, can kind of break out, maybe kind of um, switch with whoever's playing there at points and, and get crosses in, you know. Exactly, must have took the corner for the equal, for the second goal, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that loop, that looping corner. Yeah. yeah. What about the selection in this game? What, what did you make of him reverting to back four again, and also the deployment of Samuel's out on the left? 
I thought Samuels was totally anonymous on the left, actually. And I think he'd been all right against Morton. Um, he didn't, um, his final ball wasn't great, but there were a couple of times when he kind of like, uh, you know, his feet were, for, were really good and he got past players. It was a really nice turn in the second half when he drove forward and then hit a really weak shot wide of the post. And I think Samuels looked like a, a player that can play centrally, maybe as a 10 again. But I thought wide left, he, yeah, he was probably our, our least our least effective player, I think. Um, although I, I thought Shane was quiet in that game. I thought Shane did a lot, quite a lot against Morton, but was more quiet against Party. Why, yeah. why, why have we taken in four strikers in if we're just going to continue to play Billy and Shane? Samuels is a striker. Hardy is a striker. Chalmers is a striker or can play behind a striker. None of them are playing as a striker. This the thing is, I, you can see from what I said earlier, I, I support the manager. I, I like Billy Dodds. I think within time, with time, given time, he'll do a good job this season or next season, um, hopefully. But I can see why so many people get annoyed because some of the decisions are absolutely baffling. Some of them are curious. Some of them are baffling. And if I'm Samuel, I'll be like, why have I come alone to go play? Well, why have I signed to go and play left wing? I'm a, I'm a striker. I think these are signs, obviously, the lack of pace across the front line, but I don't... I don't think maybe Hardy might be a striker. I don't think Samuels is a striker. Or they're not out and out striker. They're not at nine, and that's maybe where the reason is that they brought them in that they can be versatile. They can play through the middle. Or they can play either side. So I don't. They're not number nines. We've only got one number nine, and that's Mackay and maybe Hardy. But I'm not seeing that much of Hardy to say that he's a nine. He's small, pacey like the, the other boys. But I think that's the reason most that, that, that he's not saying strikers. He's saying forwards. Let's let's say that. Okay, uh, let's go to Morton. We've we've discussed it um, well quite a bit already. Um, Morton, I think they had they, they've had four. They've now had what? Let me have a look. Four wins in the last five games. Who'd have bet on that? Probably Dougie Emery. <laughs> uh, our second successive one no loss at the team, but characterised not by the result, but more by our tactics. Um, yeah, we talked about him playing a different for me. Was this was this sort of? If you're looking at the season as a whole was this are you hoping that this is maybe the I know it's only a 1-0 win it's it's a very it's only one goal deficit is this possibly a lowest point because Dodds obviously he's struggling to work out what's the best thing to play and he's gone through three different systems in this game four different I, systems in a week yeah I mean I, I think so I think um, you know we, we talked about you know we mentioned briefly earlier on about potentially playing three at the back and I think as some of us have said and probably other people on on, on Twitter and, and everything else Pine Bovril whatever Kyphus Online have, have mentioned you know if we don't have full backs if we, if we basically got defenders or midfielders filling in at full back why play a system that has full backs you know why not just go to three central defenders and have you know some guys playing wide um, left and right and then you get games like this that just make you think, yeah, maybe that's not the way to go. Because, um, you know, we, we started off with three at the back and yeah, it just didn't really work for us, unfortunately. Um, but I, I do think that maybe maybe Dodds kind of panicked a little bit after we conceded the opener. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I didn't like the Pearson sub at halftime. Um, unless, unless he was injured, maybe he tweaked something. I, I don't know. Um, and then... When we came out for the second half, we, we we seemed to be playing some kind of it was like a I don't know a, a formation you saw in the old champ manager games four four two diamond. Um, and it looked like Welsh was kind of sitting just slightly ahead of the the back four. McAleer was playing at one point left midfield, then right midfield. Um, I don't know. I just I, I don't at any point in this game I felt we were ever going to get back into this one. Um, I don't think I actually got out of my seat to kind of get excited about a chance until it was a, a ball over the top of the Morton defence and. Um, uh, Billy Mackay was, I think he was just offside or, or just couldn't quite connect. I can't quite remember, but you know, we, we, we offered so little in this game. Um, and 
and I think whilst Morton didn't offer an, offer an awful lot as well, I mean, they, they did not seem at any point like they were going to capitulate like they did in the game in December where they ended up shipping six goals against us. And I think that's testament to the, the work that Emery's done in a short period of time with them. All right. Well, a game I think we were in, um, we've had 56% possession in it, is the Killy 1-0 loss. Um, you could talk about new signings bedding in and giving them time, but Danny Mackay and Kyle Lafferty, they joined that week. And how many minutes did they did they take to score? Was it was it nine minutes or something? Nine. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this wasn't a, this wasn't this wasn't a terrible performance, was it? It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the best, but I mean, yeah. I mean, Kamara have always made some very good signings on paper, but they seem to have one of the the, the dullest, most conservative managers in Scottish football yeah. um, playing for them. So. Again, similar to the Morton one, I don't think we were really likely to, you know, score a goal or two in this one. At the same time, I don't. I, th- I think I think Kamarnik were pretty comfortable, but they didn't look that impressive as well. I mean, the only real bit of quality in this game was that wonderful cross from uh, Danny Mackay, and you know, similar to the um, Brian Graham goal um, against us the other night. You, you do kind of wonder where the centre backs were. I, I don't know. I don't know if it was um, Broadfoot or, or or Duffy or whoever, but it just seemed to have gone walkabouts in the middle and Lafferty was in just far too much space just to chill out and just side to home from, you know, what, a few yards out. I mean, apart from that, I mean, the Rory McKenzie quick give and go where he um, kind of curled a shot um, towards Ridgers and he kind of beat it away and the open goal missed from Ollie Shaw, which was Miles Story-esque. Apart from that, maybe three chances for Killy. I mean, for us, though, we, we were restricted to what, like the odd kind of long-range effort from Chalmers, I think, that just kind of, you know, went wide a goal. There wasn't much in this game at all um, for either either side to really get too excited about. But it felt a bit like the reverse of the game earlier in the season, where we obviously scored quite early and then looked pretty comfortable, whereas Kilmarnock huffed and puffed and didn't really look like doing anything. Um, yeah, basically a complete reversal of the uh, game back in, was it August or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Right, oh, I thought we fought quite hard. Sorry. You know, um, yeah. broad, broadfoot picked up a booking, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we, we basically fought hard, fought hard just to basically not be not be out fought, not really to create anything. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think anyone can ever accuse the players of not trying. They're, they're certainly trying. It's just it's just not coming off, unfortunately, for them at the minute. Yeah, that's another thing I've heard that criticism of Billy does. It's like, oh, you know, the players aren't playing for him, and that that's patently bullshit. You know, you yeah. see that from second half against Park. You know, they're they're, they're definitely playing for them. You mentioned the booking there. I had, a, I had a good bet come up in the last game. It was Billy McKay to a double, Billy McKay to score, and Robbie Dees to be carded. Um, oh, yeah. Very good bet. If anyone's <laughs> looking for a good bet, comes up quite quite often. <laughs> well, the Dees the D's yellow card part of it comes out comes up more often than the Billy goal. Uh, the, thing like, is, I mean, the thing is with Dees though. I mean, I know he got subbed the other night against. Um, Park Thistle, but even when he gets booked, he's still, you know, he, he doesn't seem phased by it. He doesn't, you no. know, kind of um, hold back. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't thunder into challenge a lot of the time anyway, but he's still sensible. He still times his challenges really well. He did it early in the season against um, Partick at Fairhill. He got an early booking and, and McCall reacted straight away by sticking Tiffany onto the right-hand side to really have a go at him in the hope of maybe drawing a second booking. He just didn't seem bored at all. He had Tiffany in his back pocket. And again, for this one, this this Killy game, yeah, he didn't seem bored at all. He got away with it against Park this other night. Don't get me wrong, but we took him off, wasn't it? Yeah, but he, yeah. he's still he's, he's still a sensible enough like you know player to know not to make daft challenges when he's on a yellow card most of the time. What about yellow cards again? I think our yellow card count for the for the regular back four now stands at about twenty six, something <laughs> like that. 
I checked 20, it the other day. 25 of them are for Kirk Broadfoot. <laughs> every, every one of them has, has a lot of yellow That'll be great. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Caleb Hamill scores, eh? Remember that tagline? So when we get when we get Danny Devine, when we get Danny Devine back, the entire rest of the back four will be um, suspended, and we'll just have to play him with uh, I don't know. Well, he'll no, he'll come back. He'll get you. Samuel's at right back, and I don't know. It's 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 Hardy guy in the middle alongside him. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, we've got four draws. We'll we'll touch very briefly on them. We've got um, Pars one one away. We got Queens at home two two. We got Wraith at home one one. Got Arbroath away nil nil. I'll 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 quickly pick up Dunfermline away. Um, Thought I I thought I was terrible performance. Awful. Went one nil up. then half time, Yogi changes it. We sit back for 45 minutes. Yogi plays two centre halves at the back, puts his full backs up at the halfway line. And it's like the amount of space to attack is phenomenal. But we just sit back and we don't utilise our substitutes to try and take the game to them. I think we had one chance in the second half, which was a, a little move with the two subs, um, Chalmers and Pearson. And that was about it. Um, I think the equaliser was coming. And I think that was a game that. We could have actually held out for that if we'd actually been a little bit more proactive. Right, Queen's, uh, Queen's at home, 2-2. We've talked about that already. We had 19 shots, which is more than the Arbroath and Ratio. Shout out for find. Billy, uh, Billy Mackay's back heel for the second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wraith won one draw such a long time ago. McLeod strike in the 88th minute. Um, By the way, see the first half of that game, we were absolutely rotten. We could have been three down. They could have been out of sight. Yeah. We didn't come back well. Yeah. In the and actually, that was one thing. Credibly, does he changed it? He changed it up pretty radically at halftime there in yeah. that game. Um, but I, first half, were awesome. And the furthest we go back to the second of January, a nil-nil draw away to Arbroath, which in this most bizarre of seasons is an excellent result. Well, somebody says that we we've drawn too many games this season. And listen, if it, if it's hope you're looking for. You've come to the right place. You want to get things done? Draw games. In 92-93, Man United won the Premier League despite drawing 12 of their matches. Rochdale and Bradford City both gained promotion from the old English 4th Division in 1969 by winning 18 and drawing 20 of their games. And in Italy, Bologna won CDB in 1996 after 16 wins and 17 draws. Draw. Okay, if the football club is going to do anything in this season or next, looks like it'll be next, then this is one of the key players any success will be built on. Let's hear from a man who started all 20 league games he's been available for this season until a knee injury sadly curtailed his campaign. Ever-present, Mr Scott Allardyce. How's it, how's it been then? We'll talk about the injury, but how are you, how are you enjoying watching Loose Women in the daytime TV when the boys are out there training? Yeah, no, it's... Uh... It's no, no, the most enjoyable. Um, obviously, you're just sitting about at the minute with the way the injury kind of is. I'm just sitting about doing bits and a rehab, but it's not, not nothing major. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, lot of free time, like so. That's it's not the best. I say, yeah, yeah. Enjoy some of Robbie D's cooking now. You still the master chef in there? No, I'm not the cook. I I clean the dishes and do the, do the washing. He's 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 a chef to be fair, and he's a good one. So, so let, let, let's take it back to the race overs game, man. Uh, I think halfway through the second half, if I remember. Uh, 
you came off and the injury. Um, how, did, how did it come about for people that didn't remember it and uh, what was your initial thoughts to the, the injury? Well, it was actually in the... I went out for a header in the first half and just landed on my landed on my leg, like, um, and I kind of... I couldn't really put pre- as much pressure through through my right leg compared to my left, but at that point in the game, to be fair, we were struggling. Um, Braith were on top and... Uh, I thought I thought it was nothing major, so you're not really going to throw in the towel. This, what well, was kind of saying to myself, just get through it, and then kind of take it to half time and see see from there. And at half time, it was it was a bit sore, but again, nothing major. And then just as the kind of the game wore on, I was I knew someone wasn't right. I couldn't couldn't look to play a, a longer pass or or anything. Um, so I knew someone wasn't right. And then after the game, or when I got subbed, I went straight down the. T- tunnel, um, ice mini, um, and kind of when the adrenaline and that wore off, we were starting to get a bit achy, and then we done the test and that, um, yeah, and it, it kind of showed that something wasn't right, uh, and yeah, I was I was panicking a wee bit because I thought it was my ACL at first, and I knew if if it was that, it was you're probably looking at eight eight months, like. I've got to say that because obviously you're playing the game, adrenaline's going right, so in any sort of pain and injury, you're it's masked about the adrenaline. So, is it is is it something you've experienced before? Have you done any any problems before, or is it something you can maybe go? Oh, this this takes me back to a, a previous injury injury, or was it something new? Yeah, no, I've actually had a few bad ones. Um, I, I dislocated my kneecap three times uh, at around fifteen to uh, sixteen. Um, for a couple of years, it, it kept popping out of place, and then my first year full time at Dundee United, it happened, and I had to get surgery, and I was out for thirteen months. Um, so that that kind of got us panicking a wee bit because obviously I know what it's like and being out that length of time, especially this time in the season when when you're playing first team games as well at this age, it's this that's a year of your career. Like I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's always difficult when you get injuries, and is it make it even as a manager does? It makes it even more so when you're when the fans think you've played a season so far. They make it worse when you're playing well, you know, you've got that momentum, your, your consistency's up, and then this also comes out of the blue and knocks you for six. Yeah, no, I think that, of course, no one wants to get injured at any time, but I think especially with the way the season was going and looking at, really looking at win the league, like, um, I think that that was the hardest bit to take, um, being right involved at the top end and having decent enough performance levels throughout the season, um, and then it kind of obviously comes to an end and yeah, it's frustrating, but by the end of the day, it could be a lot worse. And a positive note, though, I mean, looking at the season, um, is this the best football of your career so far? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I've built on last season. Um, I think up until I came to Inverness, it was stop-start. Um, and as a young player, try to uh, make your way in the game, it's hard to get the minutes week in, week out, and you don't really find that level until you're you're getting them minutes every week. Um, and I had, had that last season, which kind of gave me that first platform. And then this season, obviously, I've, I've kicked on. I feel like I've kicked on a wee bit. Um, but I, I honestly think it's just down to getting minutes week in, week out and, and learning every week. Well, the easiest to sit and watch a, a team of your mates uh, playing football when you can't play. Is it, has it been frustrating watching from the sidelines? Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, just watching it is, it is so frustrating. You just want to be out there and, and be involved with the boys. Um, but as well, I, I don't like saying too much in terms of because when you're out of it, it's, it, from being on the park myself and playing, 
and then coming off, everything's easy for the sideline in terms of, of watching it. And I know what it's like myself, you think this and that, but at the end of the day, when I'm on the park and I make mistakes, I'd be watching myself thinking the same thing. So I think it's, it is hugely frustrating, but I think you also need to watch. And obviously when you're on that park, it's, it's a completely different game. How's it feeling around the boys? I know you're not in amongst it as much just now, but how's it been the last couple of, couple of months and weeks that, that we've been playing? I think frustration it is. It's, it's been frustrating for everyone. Um, I think that would be the word because throughout the season, to be fair, we've had a lot. Of, even you look back at the start of the season, I don't think we're playing great football stuff like that, but we're grinding out ones. And then we actually started playing. I thought good, good stuff, and on top of a teams a fair bit within the games, but we are, we're actually dropping points. And then now we're maybe going through a, a wee bit of a tough patch, but. It's more frustration because I honestly feel within this group we've got a lot more to, to give um, and the league's so tight as well. We're right in amongst it and we, we need to just get back to it and get back winning games because it's everyone's going to take points off everyone within each other. So if we can, I know everyone's saying about this run, but that's all it takes. We've seen it at the start of the season and it's set us up for when we've dropped points later in the season. I think you're looking around Obviously, with the new signs as well, that's that's definitely freshened it up. Um, everyone's on their toes now. Um, not that they weren't before, but people know they're, they're out if they if they play poor. Um, and I think, yeah, we need to put the, this run together um, and start winning games because, as you say, it's it's getting to that stage where teams might start getting away from each other. You're looking for the preseason. Then what's the, what's the timeline? Then are you? I know you're back down the road for a wee bit, but have you been told to like, rest and recover for a couple of weeks and then it's light training or have you been given that time? A time yeah, well, um, it's just more of a frustrating injury, if I'm honest, because I'm I'm in a brace for uh, for six weeks. Um, so I, I can't really do too much actual rehab in terms of the knee itself. It needs time to heal. Um, so it's in a position which it will heal, but that means that I need to be in this brace for six weeks, so I need to kind of just keep on top of conditioning um, on the upper body as well, um, because the knee itself, after this six weeks, when I get the brace off, I could really start to build up the muscle again and, and try and get back as soon as possible. Hey, Stevie, um, we chat you had there with, um, I always want to call him Sam, with Scott Allardyce. Uh, what's the main positive that um, he doesn't need surgery? Yeah, yeah, I think obviously he was down in Edinburgh last week um, getting an update from the specialist. But yeah, I think that was the uh, the main main the main positive from it. That he's he seems quite upbeat. Obviously disappointed to be curtailing the season, but yeah, he's um, he's delighted he doesn't need surgery and uh, yeah, as soon as he's back to better for next season. Because I think we all agree in this this pod anyway that he's he's been the player of the season so far. Does anybody think he talked a bit about his injury, um, injuries that he's had previously in his career, especially in his in his youth career? Do you think that maybe was part of the reason why we actually got him? Because um, he's had injuries in the past. Because obviously, a hugely talented player. I think maybe that's why he, he sort of went the the long way for shortcut via Ireland, wasn't it? I think a lot of clubs in Scotland maybe didn't want to look at him because of some past injuries, and he went out to Ireland and sort of formed a decent career there. So, yeah, he might be right. He's obviously confident. He's had a good season. He can, he can be, he can be happy with his performances this season. I mean, he's, he's, he's been a best player, as I said. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think you know all, all the players do enjoy speaking to you, and I think 
Uh, Austin Samuels really enjoyed speaking to you as well, and we'll hear from Austin later on in the pod. Um, coming up next, League Look Ahead. For McDonald, I'm the castle, Liverness men, Weegee's hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's pizzas, Judas City, Farland Park, the library, Spectrum Centre, Molly Story, Cali Thistle, the Golden Mile, Musicate Centre, Matala. Okay, looking ahead to the remainder of February and into March, bar the end of the season, the most important period of the season. And we actually have on paper a rather reasonable run of games, perhaps, Ayn and Hamilton. I would say we should be beating. Wraith will surely be in meltdown in freefall. So if we can get a draw in Maryhill and manage to win home games against Arbroath and Dunfermline, things would be looking quite good again, wouldn't they? Why do you think we should beat Hamilton? Uh, Given I've... that they've... <laughs> Past four. <laughs> Absolutely fucking dismal against. You know what? I've you know I do a lot of research. I like to do a lot of research. I've done that. no re- no research for that. I just think how on their shit. Come on, come on. They've drawn four of their last five and lost the other one. So yeah, they're 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 very like us. In fact, right. Um, <laughs> I think the only positive boys it's a Friday night. We seem to turn up under the lights on a Friday night, so that bodes well for hopefully Thistle and. And Hamilton. Do you remember I one don't... of the la- do you remember one of the last nighttime games we had against Hamilton? Yeah. Oh but... Jesus, I you know <laughs> Yeah. Um yeah, I mean the thing is Hamilton are the one team in this league that we've not taken any points off this season. Yep. Sure. Yeah. You know, we we have just turned in some absolutely trash performances against these guys. Um and yeah, I mean they've only won one game since we last played them in December, but as, as AY says, you know, they have at least drawn a lot of games as well. Um, everybody keeps going on about how everybody takes points off everyone else, so it's our turn to take points off Hamilton under that, um, yeah. that plan. Yeah, I mean, if, we, if we've got any semblance of trying to get a promotion push back on track, be it somehow getting back into the title race or at the very least securing a decent um, place in the playoffs, the, you know, the Hamilton game is a game we have to win. Yeah. Or, e- or, or even just getting a bit of positivity about the, the fan base, you know? Maybe, mm. maybe maybe it's as simple as that. Okay, we'll go through the games. Uh, Saturday, 19th of February, eight at home, on this day in 1878, Thomas Edison patented the phonograph, the first machine able to reproduce recorded sound. But it still struggles to pick up anything from the back of the main stand at Cali Park. Uh, Air have turned it round at time of recording. Apologies to anyone at the back of the main stand at Cali Park. Um, just a joke. Ain't have turned it around at time of recording. Will they have turned draws into wins? I think they already have, Andrew. You know, sort of. They've, they've had a really funny sort of little run since uh, Lee Bullen came in. They won the first game against Arbroath, and so everyone was absolutely delighted. And then they go, I think, uh, they lose 2 0 to Martin, but we've already, already established that Duke Emery's Martin are the kind of the new um, Man City. Uh, they drew 1 0 against Hamilton, they lost 1 0 to Partick, they drew 1 0 against Dunfermline. But then they go away to Rugby Park and they went to one against Kelly. So suddenly, you know, for, so they were starting to get really pissed off at Bullen. And then all of a sudden, they win against their biggest rivals away from home. They've now beaten the top two teams in the league. Um, and everyone's sort of happy again. I've absolutely no idea how it's going to go. Right. Friday, 25th of February, Hamilton away. Coincidentally enough, the American musical Hamilton had its debut on this day in 2015 and tells a story inspired by American founding father Alexander Hamilton. Scottish town, on the other hand, has inspired no one ever. Friday the 4th of March, Partick away 4th of March is actual National Employee Appreciation Day, which made me think, uh, this is just an aside, who, who, who at ICT are the employers and who are the employees? It's a random question for you. Is, well, we, the, the, the fans are employers, aren't they? 
Are we are we the employers? The wages. Um, so we pay your wages type thing, but yeah, we we're, we're the employers. Without us, there's no there's no club to pay anyone's wages, is there? Yeah. So Scott Gardner's an an employee. A, rep- a representative of the fan. <laughs> Does Scott Gardner work for you? He works. <laughs> I'll ask him. All right. Okay. This is a tough one. Uh, would Would you take a draw down here? Um. Yes and no. I mean, we go back to that nil-nil draw the last time we were at Furhill, and it is the best performance of the season. Um, and even Dodge admits that as well. But I, th- I fancy us now. And I, I don't know why, but after after Wednesday night's game, I think it's a team that they come out and play against us, and I think that gives us space to play our game. And I think by the time we get to Furhill, like Sir Pearson, maybe Samuels will bed it in a bit more. But I think we've got lots of room. So will Tiffany on the other side, so it could be an entertaining, entertaining game, if I can say it well. But yeah, I, th- I think we could get something. Um, I'll, be, I'll be optimistic to say we can nick a win here, only because the opposite, opposite of Hamilton, we seem to play well against Thistle, uh, and we don't against Hamilton, so I'll, I'll be confident. Okay, Saturday the 12th of March, Arbroath at home. On this day in ni- it was 1918, St. Petersburg lost its status as a Russian capital following the revolution of 1917, which dismantled the Tsarist. Have I said that right? Tsarist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tsarist, I yeah. Autocracy. <laughs> Dude, this is pained. Do we want to dismantle Arbroath's grip on the league? They probably won it by then anyway, so... <laughs> the league will be over. See, I would suggest that we would, because we wouldn't want Kilmarnock in the Championship for another season, wouldn't we? Uh, probably not, no. I, Arbroath have looked impressive against everyone except us, I think. I think they've, they, you know, they've... We've been very, very sorry, even against them, but they've been yeah. unspectacular. Um, Good shout. The games could have got could have gone either way each time. Um, they've obviously lost a couple of big players in New Blaine Dows, but um, at least they've got Wayne. And I, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't see another nil nil here to be honest. I think. Okay. It's, I mean, I know I know Kelly closed the gap today, but I think our both are the best team in the league, and I think that's testament to to Campbell and what he gets out of the players, especially given that they're only training what twice a week or something. As Ay says, losing Newbley and Dowds is 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 not great for them, but they've kept up their their form. And then Michael McKenna, they've probably got one of the the best performing midfielders in the division. He may not have kept up his early goal scoring form, but I'd love to see him at ICT. Uh, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. Um, I think he's under contract to like 2023 or 2024 so I feel like he's going to become the new Alan Troughton um, for this pod you know just like longing longing to have him um, he's one of these guys that's uh, committed to part-time playing part-time yeah yeah, absolutely good job um, okay we'll finish off Saturday the 19th of March Wraith away on this day in uh, 1911, the first International Women's Day was observed by over one million people in several European countries which I thought was appropriate here for some reason (laughs) For some reason. Yeah. Um, this this should be actually be a great game. It should be a great away day on a Saturday for the first time in nearly two months. You know, everybody wants to beat them, don't they? Yep. Interesting, yeah. Interesting. They've sort of fallen off a cliff as well. We've uh, They've got the same record as um, Hamilton. Four draws and a defeat in the last five. But what the really weird thing about them is, it's like normally, you know, when you see a team go through that sort of run, you can identify what the problem is but they're getting like three all draws and two all draws and then they're getting nil nil draws you know so it's like it's not as if it's going right well they, they can't score because sometimes they can score three and some you know so I don't know what the problem is obviously we know because of the events of the last few weeks that they must have thought that a striker was a priority um, so they must think they've got an issue with scoring but I, I genuinely, genuinely can't call it I do wonder actually if they're you know with everything that's going on if that's affected the unit of the team as well if that's going to be a problem for them but um, I think this is a really big game because at the moment it looks like 
it's them or us for fourth spot, you know, unless we turn it around. Um, I think the, the key thing for all these games is we need to be on, um, on the um, kind of front foot from the, the first whistle. I know it's you know, probably quite an obvious thing to say, but it seems to take us too long to get into games at times. And I think we're coming up to a really critical period of matches here. You know, you look at that, Ayr, Hamilton, Partick, Arbroath, Wraith, you know, th- th- there's games there we, we need to be winning at this stage. No questions asked. Coming up, we peer through the transfer window. Manny Duku exits by the back door and the under-18s raise the roof. Where do you want to drink? Well, 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 well. The Glen Alvin, the Thistle the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Tavern, Cupcus Jackson, Dives at Gallon, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Slaughters, Love to Love, King Exchange, and Mambo's Hush, Heepies, Jeepies, Gunnies, Riley's, Burgies, Kilmore, Hoop and Annie's. The new signings, four strikers in and one out. Uh, Manny Duku, before we talk about the new boys, let's wax lyrical for a few moments about good old Manny Duku. Zero goals in 20 games, started 10 of them, and he usually got about a good 20 minutes for the bench. Zero goals. Zero. Uh, but a lovable chap, regardless. Left Cali Stadium with a whimper, mainly because he hit the door frame on his way out. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on him? Oh, and... and and may I also add that he was starting today for Havant and Waterlooville. And how many goals do you think he scored on his debut? Six. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Bag on Stevie. Zero. I think I'll, I'll, I'll start on him. I think I was quite optimistic when we signed him. I mean, I don't know why I've been looking at his second half of the season form for Wraith last year, but looking at his first half, he, I mean, he was on fire, wasn't he? He was linked to a move to the Premier League before Christmas time uh, last season, but yeah, just a nice big guy. We spoke to him in the pod, but just didn't, didn't look confident. I think it's the sort of player that if he got that league goal, he might have went on a run. But I just think as the games went on, he just, just didn't, didn't have that sort of partnership with, with Billy. And I think Jameson and Mackay done more in those cup games than, than Duku done in those 20 league games that he appeared in. So, yeah, thanks for your efforts and uh, yeah, good luck in your future endeavours. He, he, he did, to be fair to me, he did score two goals. He scored. Um, League Cup. Yeah. yeah, he scored. He scored goals in the League Cup, including that one that will live long in the memory, and that three-one pumping by Cove. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, hard not to disagree with what Stevie just said. I mean, by all accounts, you know, just a, a really, really nice guy. He was clearly popular with the fans, and he seemed to be quite popular with the, the players as well, as far as I could tell. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, um, but he just. I mean, he, he definitely tried a lot. He worked really hard. And the thing was, I was a little bit surprised that he left because he left not long after the game against the one on draw against Dunfermline, but I actually yeah. thought he turned in quite a good performance. Um, and he looked maybe, you know, a, a performance like that under his belt, maybe the confidence will come back. And the next thing you know, he's away again. Um, so, yeah, not, not I think too he was surprised. Told that to go sub. I, think, I think him and Jameson knew before that that they were, yeah. they were off, I think. So, no, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Get, well, he was decent against the pass when he came on. Yeah, I mean, I like you. I, I thought you looked a promising signing, um, but it's just not worked out, unfortunately. And unfortunately, these, these things do happen in football. You know, guys just don't work out at some clubs. Okay, let's let's uh, have a look at the new guys. We've all picked a, a new signing, and we're going to wax lyrical about them. Uh, Riley's going to start with Austin, Austin Samuels, and he sat down and he had a chat with the young forward. Let's have a little listen. Glad to have you on board. Um, some of the fans will know you from your, your, your first spell in Scotland, Aberdeen, at the start of this season. How did you how did you find that? I know you were maybe wanting more game time, but how did you enjoy your, your first taste of Scottish football at Aberdeen? I think the overall experience was, was really good, to be fair. Um, it made me want to play Scottish football more as well, hence why I'm still here now. 
But um, I think the over-experience, the games, the fans were always really warm and welcoming as well. So I think everything I learned at Aberdeen was good to help me um, excel with the rest of my career. So, yeah. Yeah, we were saying before we were recording, you're, uh, you're used to the Scottish weather already, being in Aberdeen for six months and so everyone else will be walking the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the wind is a bit crazy down there and up here as well. So, but um, I'm used to the weather now anyway, so I'll be all right. Good man. So, I think it's, the move came as a bit of a surprise to a lot of Inverness fans because we we brought three forward players in and then had the good news you signed last week. How um how did it come about? Was it a quick turnaround from your your sort of like your return to Wolves and then getting your your move up to Inverness? Yeah, yeah, it was a bit quick turnaround. But I'd spoke, I had a few conversations with the gaffer. Um, beforehand anywhere about three or four conversations on the phone he's spoken um lengthy conversations and he told me what what he wants and i told him what i want and then we just went from there really so yeah and i was i was happy to get over the line and obviously you've signed in an 18 months deal so is that a bit more security for you because i know you've been at bradford obviously been at aberdeen and some loan moves is it good to get a permanent yeah move? yeah yeah it's good to finally get get some security as well so you know what happens in football so but that's um that's the good thing, getting a security 18 months. And then obviously, hopefully, if the season goes well, we've got next season as well to um to do more. So we Aberdeen obviously with a couple of ex S players playing at Aberdeen, Marley Watkins and Johnny Hayes. Did did you speak to them about the move before you moved? Uh, on? I didn't I didn't actually speak to them, you know. I didn't actually speak to them, but um I did know that that they had played here as well. So yeah, but I've not I've had a conversation with them now. Perfect. So I know you done a little bit for the club TV after the Kilmarnock game, um, but for some of the guys that didn't hear it, what does Austin Samuels bring to Inverness and what's your strengths and weaknesses, if you've got any weaknesses? <laughs> um, I think my strengths are dynamic, runs in behind, stretching defence, um, good finisher. Um, just, being a, just being an overall threat, really, and bringing that to the team and scoring some goals. So, yeah. Have you have you settled in in Inverness your first week then? Have you settled in well with the boys? Yeah, everyone's good. Everyone's good. Welcoming as well. Training's been good. So hopefully just get um comments playing in front of the fans on the weekend. And then long term then, so you've got the rest of the season, the next season then. Have you set yourself any goals, any targets or any anything that you, you can share with us for the rest of the season? I think the main goal for the team is getting promoted. That's the main goal for the team. And the main goal for myself is to do everything that I can to help the team get promoted. So, you know what I mean? Whether that's goals, assists, or just being an overall threat and, and that as well. So that's the main the main target both ways. And yeah, good one. Welcome from the fans last week at Kilmarnock. Um, how was your, your first taste of championship football? Yeah, it was good. It was good. I thought we deserved more out of the game. I think second half we were, um, we were a better team. Obviously, they caught us on the break sometimes. That's what happens when you, you're pushing all your bodies forward and you're pressing for a goal. So um, but I think coming out on the pitch, I did feel good. Obviously, I just had a, I hadn't trained yet or nothing. And that's so hopefully this weekend I can feel even better. So Riley, we you know, before that interview, we, we didn't know a lot about Austin Samuels and uh <laughs> we still don't know a lot about him. <laughs> Tell me about him. What else did he talk a lot off off uh off mic? I think we know his name's Austin Samuels and uh, he played for Aberdeen for five minutes, but um no, he was he was quiet and shy and stuff, and I just uh yeah, he, he wasn't the most talkative, but yeah, he's new at the area and new at the club, so maybe he'll he'll, he'll blossom as the, the weeks and months go on. But yeah, he's, it's a weird one. Um, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I think most fans didn't have any idea he was going to sign. It came out of the blue. I was surprised it was an 18-month deal rather than a, a loan. But hopefully, 
the loan move, uh, the loan, sorry, lack of loan now, it's, a, it's an 18 month contract, might settle him a bit because he's been at Bradford, they've been at Aberdeen. And it's, it's, not, like, it's not a loan, is it? Is it oh, it's 18 months, permanent deal. Um, permanent deal. But he, I only saw him against uh, Celtic for, for Aberdeen. Didn't I don't see many Aberdeen games this season, but he looked quite promising in that game. But um, of the four, he's probably the most high-profile signing at the four that were signed, and there's also a lot of faith in the club to to give him an 18 months deal that they see a lot in him. So hopefully, he can he can repay us for that. Okay, let's move on. Sam Pearson, Mister Young, who is this little wizard, and where does he come from? This little wizard comes from Cardiff, um, but he is on loan to us from Bristol City. Um, and I'm really pleased because uh, I think I've got the pick of the new signings on the evidence so far. Um, he's been on loan in the past to Bath City and Weymouth, but he's also actually already played for the Bristol City first team in the championship, um, made five appearances last season, including a star in an L novel against Nottingham Forest. And there's quite a nice Bristol post-evaluation of his performance that was very positive. They kind of refer to Cruyff terms and penetrating runs or something in their um, in their headline. And they talked that talked about how although he was starved of service, um, he was one of the few players prepared to run at their defences. He completed more key passes than all but one other player in the team. And he tracked back well. And all of that sounds exactly like what we need. And I think we're, you know, I think we're we're starting to see that in a couple of games. I actually, I mean, I like the fact that he's happy to come up here from way down there because that shows if he's going to do that, he's probably going to think, right, I've made that move. I might as well make the best of it. You know, it's always quite good to see a player that can do that. Um, and the games are so far, he didn't really have much of an impact in the three minutes against Dunfermline. Um, I thought he was quiet against Kilmarnock, but as we've already established, I was drunk. So, um, and a lot of our supporters actually would seem quite annoyed when he was subbed off after an hour. So, um, maybe it'd been okay. Um, he was definitely one of the better looking players against Morton, although, I mean, that, that would have been hard. You could have probably, I don't know, gone on, you know, drunk with one leg and been better than most of them. But he did actually look prepared to take players on. Um, you know, he did kind of cut in and, and have that good shot. And I was, I was really surprised when he was sacrificed at half time. Um, especially as it meant just switching Chalmers over to the other wing. Um, and then against Partick, I would say he was arguably, arguably our best player. You know, he was trying to get beyond the full-backs. Um, he was, uh, you know, driving the players. Um, he tracked back pretty well as well, you know. So I, I think um, we're starting to see him settling in. We're starting to see him finding his uh, finding his feet there. I think he could be... Um, I think if we do turn the season around and we start winning games again, then I'm going to predict that he'll be quite an important contributor to that. Okay. Logan Chalmers, Mr. Sutherland, hmm. ch- charm us with Chalmers. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an interesting one. Um, he's one of, one of these guys that can kind of play um, pretty much anywhere along, if you like, the kind of front three behind the striker. Um, he's typically kind of been appearing um, for Dundee United in the past on the right side of that attacking three. Um, even though he's left-footed, he does tend to cut inside quite a lot. Um He's been there since he was like 11 years old, and that, that's um, going back obviously some time. He's what 21, 22 now, I think. He um, apparently made his debut against um, Cowden Beef, so I'm sure that's the um, the debut that all professional footballers dream of. Um, you know, making their first appearance against. Um, but he's not really been getting much game time uh, for Dundee United just now. He's, he's kind of behind um, Paula and um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but Niskanen, I think his name is, um, in the um, starting eleven there. And you know, somewhat ironically, both those guys are out of form just now for Dundee United, and a lot of their fans don't seem too happy that he's been allowed to go out uh, on loan. Um, given he you know could come in to replace these guys, um, you got a couple of assists against uh, Motherwell. I was able to find the highlights of um, on YouTube uh, game last May, and as I say, um, playing on the right side, cutting in onto his left foot, 
Um, he does seem to be predominantly left foot. He doesn't seem to really take things on um, with his right foot. Um, so, and we've kind of seen him playing there for us already. Uh, you know, he came in against Dunfermline and played on the right-hand side. But we have also seen him play as a 10 uh, and also on the left side of midfield as well. And, you know, if we're being a bit harsh, you know, he's not really stood out too much, but it is early days yet. You know, he's talked in the past about how he wanted to um, improve his work rate uh, off the ball and also make an impact when in possession. I think that's something we, we've maybe seen that he's kind of struggled so far with us. Um, but as I say, it's early days. So, I mean, it's um, you don't want to be too harsh on the guy. Maybe with some more first-team football, he'll, he'll grow in confidence. Um, you know, by all accounts, he does have real ability. But, you know, there's a criticism from Dundee United fans that I found that it tends to be that he can maybe dribbles the ball for too long and doesn't really do anything too constructive with it at the end. He, you know, either just kind of like... Um, shoots from an impossible angle or just, you know, doesn't get an actual crossing past his opponent. So hopefully more game time, you know, you'll, you'll get to learn the style of play that Dodds wants to instill in the team and uh, hopefully it'll instill, um, improve, sorry, his decision-making. Um, but I must say from an uh, Inverness perspective, he's not got long left to do it. He's only got a couple of months left here, so he needs to do it quickly, um, but hopefully he can do. Okay, let's go on to Joe Hardy. Um, right, I've, I've, watched some, I've watched some footage of the young man. Say young man, he's 23 He's a goal scorer. He's an out-and-out goal scorer. I think this is a guy that would play if Billy Mackay got injured again. Um, he came through Man City's academy. He joined Brentford's B team when he was 18. He scored 40 goals and 80 appearances for them. He joined Liverpool's under-23 side, um, which is quite an accolade to be picked up by them. In 2020, he made his professional debut, uh, 82, 82nd minute of an FA Cup game um, against Shrewsbury Town. And he actually was included in the Liverpool's 25-man um, 2021 Premier League squad as a homegrown player, but he didn't get called into a matchday squad at all that season. Um, so in terms of um, pedigree, he, he arguably, talking about Man City, talking about Liverpool, he arguably has the best of all the signings we've got. Um, he gets an ankle injury uh, when he was at Liverpool. Um, he gets a free transfer. He signs a two-year deal with Accrington, uh, who are in League One, I think. Gets a calf injury, doesn't play any games for them. Then he comes on loan to us. Um, and as I say, I've watched his clips and he's a goal scorer. Do you know who he reminded me of a little bit? He's not fast. He's not tall. He's not broad. He's, he's like an Ian Stewart. And if you watch some of the um, footage of him, he actually has, a, a very, very rare, he actually has that deftness of touch, deft, deftness of finish that you can see him chip, chip a goalkeeper from quite close in, quite far out. He's, he looks like a very, very good finisher. And it's does, that you're gonna well. does that mean he'll do well for us in the second division then? This is the problem the guy's obviously got. He's um he's a wee he's a wee guy, you know. So it's like, is he gonna break into Accrington's team? League one in England? I've seen games at that level, you know, they're the huge physical. It's all about physicality there. So surprising that Accrington would sign him. So yeah, I don't know. He we might see how he gets on, we might see him again, we might see him come to Scotland again. He's a player being at 23 and not played in professional games. He needs to find his level. So that's what he's looking for. So he'll be looking for some games because mm. if he can score some goals, you'll know I can play that level. So yeah, interesting signing anyway. Uh, and lastly, uh, and most probably most needed, our new defender, what's he called? Oh, did we not sign one? Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No barter sell for shitty weather, drugs, and business. Inverness is a fucking business. Okay, the windows have misted up as we breathe on the glass and 
rub our filthy cuff on the dirty panes, peering in at Kilmarnock in the top transfer table, feasting on a banquet of freshly purchased Lafferty, Glass, Kennedy and Lawless. Let's take a look at our opponent's transfer activity in the transfer window. Who's drafted in a 30-year-old English non-league striker with more clubs than goals and who's snapped up some of the Scottish Premier League's hottest young talent because Stephen Glass and Sean Maloney are shit managers. Let's find out. Uh, and thanks to the uh, excellent source of knowledge on all things transfers that is the Nini's Tool Poker blog for all the information on which we have stolen. Um, our broth, uh, the famous part-time team they have relied on Two full-time strikers for the first half of the season, but with Newbley and Dowds being recalled by Livingston and Falkirk, respectively, you might think they would start to fall away. But in comes Craig Whiten from the Pars and Jack Hamilton from Livingston. So how part-time is part-time and at what point are we sick of the lichty loving? Um, well, I, I think I think they've probably one of the best drives for windows. I think um, losing Newbley um, and Dowds, obviously you're bringing in White and Hood, I get a good spell there last time, and obviously Hamilton, who's done well since he came in again. But yeah, it's it's not really a part time team, is it? When when maybe half of them are, are, are training Monday to Friday with their, their, their own teams. But I said he he can't he can't hate them. I mean, he's the best manager in the league. He's he he, he does well. He, he fits that club well. But it just shows you, and I don't want to go off the tangent, but part time versus full time. He's he's getting the boys in two days per week, and the balls are out, and it's high intensity training as opposed to a full-time team in four days during the week, and maybe not as high intensity, and maybe going through a little warm-down day, for example, on a Monday. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing great, and as much as I hate them at the moment, you can't help but admire what he's doing, and they've made some great signings, so fair play to them. What do they do next season if they go up, by the way? Do you think they still rely on a lot of loan players? They'll need to go full-time, you'd imagine, but... Well, do you think? Them. I mean, I've heard... Uh, is there a pressure to go full time? I mean, do they just continue doing what they're doing? Some, some, of, some of them couldn't go. O'Brien's not going to go full time. McKenna's not going to go full time. Bobby Lynn's not going to get a game, so it won't be. He'll you just be back to the bins. You know, do they do they still try and get part time players in? Do they try and make all the new signings full time and put them in? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about the contractual side of things, but I'm just wondering if they would just kind of try and basically say, right, let's for our first season up, let's kind of like get lots of loans and see how it goes, and then and then evolve if they stay up. Will, Willie Collum's part-time. It's never affected his performances. Yeah. Uh, Air United, a bunch of players brought in from lower league English football, so no surprise given Lee Bullen's background. Any of these guys uh, catch the eye or any surprise departures, guys? Who did McEnroy play for last season? He, he was in the league last season, was he not? Was he at Dunfermline? Dunfermline. Yeah, that's right. I can't remember how, um, how good he was for them. They were fairly shit, weren't they, Dunfermline? So, well, he's got he's got a tune out of them so far. So, must be some Sam Ashford, Ryan Gondo, Ben Dempsey, Kermack and Ryan Blair. Sorry, Blaine Blaine Rowe, good name. Um, must all be must all be talented to a certain degree. Uh, Dunfermline Athletic Yogi wields acts with seven going out and five coming in, including da 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 da. <laughs> Mr. Own, Mr. Own Goal, Call Thomason. Uh, quite apart from Donaldson, the question is: Are all the rest of the signings midfielders? What's the lowdown? I think this looks like a pretty good set of signings, to be honest. Uh, Lawless apparently has been really good since he came in. Dunfermline yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Dunfermline. And Law, he's been after Lawless for years. Remember, we tried to get him in in 2015-16 for us. Um, Chalmers, Chalmers is the sort of player that Yogi will probably make better. 
you know, because he likes that sort of player. He likes a central midfielder with, with a pass on him, and I think he, he will probably actually improve him. Um, you would think that Ambrose is going to be decent at this level. He's certainly going to be an upgrade on that guy who was that horrendous player they had, that Ross Graham guy who was a complete bomb scare. Um, and Donaldson, annoyingly, seems to have kicked on from his, his comedy debut. You know, apparently he's actually been okay after mm. being absolutely rank for the first uh, for his first game. So I think they, they look like decent decent players. But yeah, I mean, Dunfermline fans, you know, they were um, they lost again today. You know, they, they kind of like um, went ahead against Kilmarnock and were beaten. And I was having a quick look at the the match day thread, and there's a lot of criticism about Yogi's um, Yogi's selections and Yogi's tactics, especially who he's choosing up front. So it's all very well to have a good window, but if you're actually not um, if you're not going to pick in the players who deploy them properly, then they might still struggle for the rest of the season. Okay, Greenock Morton, four out and two in for the ton as uh, Dougie Emery focuses his squad. Ian Wilson from Dunfermline, um, good bit of business, I thought. Combative, aggressive midfielder, very Dougie Emery player. I, like, I liked him when I saw him uh, last season. And the Morton fans like it too. Will it be enough? I mean, I've written here, will it be enough to keep them in the division? But I think they're, I think they're fine, especially after a turnaround, yeah. uh, turnaround today against, um, was it Queen's? Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, probably the, the best pickup of the transfer window is not a player. It's um, well, I mean, just before the transfer window, but um, Imri obviously going to Morton. He yeah. seems to have been, you know, really gotten a lot out of um, out of the team. So um, yeah, I mean, Morton will be safe. You'd have to imagine. Okay, Hamilton Academical. Interesting to see Kai Kennedy pop up in Hamilton immediately after leaving Dunfermline. Is there anything here to suggest they might mount a playoff push? Nope. Kilmarnock, Derek McInnes doing what Derek McInnes does. Uh, they already had a, a, a good, massive squad, and he's gone out and brought in six players, not just to improve the squad, but to start games. Um, results aside, does their starting eleven look look better than the likes of Dundee or Ross County? Is that there with one of them? They got Premier League level players. I think they should they should be strolling the league if they had a more. A, a less cautious manager, someone who's less afraid of losing, because McInnes seems to be terrified of that, then I think they would be absolutely thrashing teams. You imagine, say, Terry Butcher with that squad. I don't think yeah. Butcher was. I don't mm-hmm. think Butcher was like um, the greatest tactician in the world, but like just basically going out and telling them to get in people's faces and like kind of like really inspiring them. You know, there's so much more quality in there. Um, Declan Glass is obviously really talented. Dee Cabell's a decent player. We know that Mackay's a good player. Um, you know, a talented player, and um, Ash Taylor, you know, apparently was good when he came back last season for Aberdeen. You know, so he should he should stroll this league. And Lafferty, I mean, he's a, he's a complete arsehole, but he's yeah, he's easily the most dangerous striker in the division. You you just know that every single room in Derek McInnes's house is painted like the same vanilla white neutral color. It's just so bloody boring. I think um, you'll say every room in Derek McInnes's house has a picture of Derek McInnes. <laughs> <laughs> right, Partick Thistle, a massive miss for Partick is Zach Rudden, who's going to Dundee uh, on a loan move after agreeing a pre-contract in the summer. Can we see Partick falling away, or do you think they'll be there on our shoulders, on our coattails towards the end of the season? I think they'll be there because of the games in hand they've got, and I think they're staying well. Um, yeah. Kubiak eh, could be good in the Championship. I mean, it's probably... If at the worst end of the deal with Rudden going to Dundee, but that was going to happen anyway, so they had to get something. Um, Kyle McAllister from St Mirren's a good player. I think yeah. he'll do well in, in this league. And the spine's still there. I mean, you still get Stuart Brannigan, who who we, we tried to sign years ago with Lawless, and Os- was it Osman, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Three of them. But yeah, I think Thistle still got a strong squad, and I think they've, they've added well. I mean, losing Rudden's a, a blow, but 
I've still got Tiffany, who I think is the best player in the league. So, yeah. Queen of the South, big one for Queens is Ennis Cameron and back on loan from Kelly. Big striker has three goals and ten for Queens already this season. And he hit six and fifteen for Aloha when they played down here. Um, with everyone else adding, are Cameron's possible goals their best chance of survival? Probably, yeah. I think he, uh, he didn't really get much of a chance at Kamara. They brought him back after his, his good loan spell last season, but he was punted out pretty sharply when McInnes came in. But yeah, I don't think Queens will, will stay up. I think they're doomed, but I think their best chance of doing anything is through Cameron's goals. Okay, and finally, we leave the worst to last. I feel sorry for, for Jamie Gullen from Hibs, for Sam Stanton, uh, Ben Williamson, who all signed for Wraith Rovers on loan early in the window and now must be wishing they developed a cruciate ligament injury and can get out of Kirkcaldy on the next stretcher. Um, is there anything to say about them that hasn't already been said? Williamson, Williamson looked quite good in that game against us in the, that one all game. I thought their front three was very good, actually. Um, Stanton, you know, is one of these players that, you know, he looks like a good name on paper, but I think he's maybe not kicked on as much as he thought he would. You know, he was at Hibs in his, his career when he was younger. Um, I think he's kind of like um, been around the houses a wee bit. Gullen, Gullen was very good from last season, I think, when he came in. I think he scored something like nine in the second half of the season, so he should be good on paper. But Stanton's been doing well for Wraith, by all accounts. He's yeah. just kind of like sitting, you know, did he not kind of break through as a um, kind of almost an attacking midfielder type? But now, so, now, yeah, he seems yeah. to be, now he seems to have dropped a little bit deeper, I think, and he's playing more as um, the two in a four-two-three-one. 2 um, if what I read and from what the limited Wraith Rowers content I've seen is, is accurate. Um, I mean, sure, he's, he's maybe not, probably not playing the most exciting role in, in, in the team, but, you know, by all accounts, he's doing a good job yeah. for them. Um, so... I see they, just signed, they signed that uh, fat left back from Hibs as well, Mackie. Signed him today. Sure. Oh, right. Is he fat? Losing Dylan Tate's massive for them. No, Dylan Tate was really good for them, obviously. He's a commander mm. now, but I mean, losing him and also the Mortal Kombat character, big Blaze Riley Snow, was off to <laughs> Aloha. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll miss Big Blaze. Good middle name, though, son. <laughs> uh, and that was the transfer window. I, I remember the days. Well, we all remember the days, don't we, when we didn't have windows, we lived in the open. In the wild, where beasts such as Martin Glancy or Dean McDonald <laughs> roamed, roamed free, you could snare a Gary McSwiggin or a Marcus Patelain in any day you wanted. Those were the days. Gary uh, McSwiggin is possibly our worst signing, <laughs> apart from Danny Lopez. Well, I was going to mention. Well, I, was, I was just going to finish this by saying, ah, the days of Greg Hood. <laughs> Now, the under-18s reached the semi-finals of the Scottish Youth Cup semi-finals thanks to a 1-0 win over Auchinleck Talbot in the, at the end of January after victories against Kilmarnock and Morton earlier in the competition. Attacking midfielder Harry Henham scored the only goal against Auchinleck and they will now face the daunting task of Hearts away in the semi-final. Stevie had another chat with under-18s coach Ryan Essen and he does love to chat. So let's talk about this Scottish Cup run because it's, I mean, we're, we're playing elite teams and uh, again, we'll talk about Harps coming up soon, but let's get back to the Kilmarnock game. I mean, that was a big game, uh, Friday night against a team, an elite team. Um, I think I said read your comments beforehand, you were confident, but I mean, it's a team that obviously a, a step above us, but how did you think the boys performed and obviously got the win, but how did you think the performance went? Well, we, we knew it was going to be a tough game. We, they'd just come off the back of beating Celtic 4-2. I'd watched that game, then I'd watched another couple of games, one against Aberdeen, which they did get beat. So uh, 
I knew what they were about. I knew they were really strong, and they called back their loan players. So they are playing at quite a high level. They're playing at Stenhouse Muir, and I think the other one was maybe Cowden Beef. So their uh, their loan players were quite at quite a high level. So we didn't underestimate them. But the boys, I think that was a big changing game for my boys' mindset. I think that was a huge turning point in belief. Obviously, we have Kurt here. So Kurt has been working with me a, a fair bit. So he knew a bit about them as well. So that was good to have. You've got Marcel and Don, uh, Don Johnson. He remembers Miami Vices. Yeah, we Don uh, has been helping me during, during my whole time that I've had with 18. So he's there at almost every training session, every game. So we sort of watched it. He gives his input. He's very good with the players. And then obviously Kirk's come on board uh, and... Ross totally has helped us as well. So, so after that, then I mean, again, you you get results against Kamarnock, and then it's a tough tie, and it's it's a character building trip to Capolo because, as you know, you've gone down with the first team. It's it's not an easy place to go. Able eh? for ups and down this season in the, in the first team. So how was how was that journey? Not the not the nicest place in order to go and play football, but it's, it's probably good to get a win over those boys. Uh, they they are one of the best youth teams. They would be expected to win this competition. I think okay. I do think that, and uh, they're very good. Uh, so it did worry me more than when you turn up and you obviously know the situation it was. We were there before the first team went there, so I had already pre-warned it was like the dressing room situation with, with the sort of porter cabins on top of one another. It was dark. We, we were made to take all our kit round the pitch down to the bottom. They didn't even open the bottom gate. And then they'd says to us after it, oh, we'll open the gate for you, just things like that. But I, I used it to your advantage. I used it to be a positive, saying, well, this is what they're trying to do to us. They're, they're already trying to intimidate us before we've even kicked a ball. So, but the game itself, that's the best we've played. Yeah. Uh, putting a complete game together. First half, we dominated. We, we should have been three or four up. We missed chances, but we got the goal. In the second half, just because the conditions were that bad, the wind, the rain, everything like that, we defended like I've not seen us defend before. We were putting our head on the line, we we're putting our body on the line. The goalie made a couple of good saves. We were stopping crosses. The, the real dirty side to the game, we still created chances, even though we were defending for our lives a lot of the time during the second half. And I thought we deserved to win the game. It, it was it was brilliant for the boys because they then knew that they could do that. Look at the game against Auchinleck, and Auchinleck had a big junior team, big falling down in the ocean and stuff, but there's your set-up. Are we, is that a game you go, we could win this, or are they a tough team as well, like Mortonware, or was that a, an expectation that the boys got the result last Friday? Well, it was a banana skin, in my opinion. Uh, I'd watched them, I'd watched their Huntley game, I watched their Devonville game, I'd watched them, they'd played a friendly against Kilmarnock, uh, and I knew that they, they could be a threat. If we didn't go about our work the right way, they were definitely going to be a threat just from set pieces, being very direct and physical. And at the end of the day, we probably should have won three or four. We should have been three or four up in the first 20 minutes. It never happened. And then once the game starts going longer and longer and longer and it gets scrappier because you start getting into bad habits, which they've almost dragged us down to that bad habits to make it a scrap but we've came through it and I think they'll learn a lot from that I think they'll learn 
the nerves, the pressure, the expectation that was on them, I think they'll actually learn more from that than actually probably going and beating beating a Kamarnik that nobody's expecting them to win. A lovely goal to win it though, wasn't it? <laughs> he was going to get slaughtered because he should have slaughtered Robbie Thompson in, but he stuck it in the bottom corner, so it says, I'll let you off me today. Because <laughs> we had a good break. Eh? The worst thing was we almost lost the goal and we got the park and scored it. And just as he was away to hit, I thought, oh, just put Robbie in, but he stuck it in the bottom corner, Wee Harry. Wee Harry's got a lot of goals for us. Thursday, 24th of February, um, Hearts away at Tynecastle the night before we play Hamilton. How much are you and the boys looking to play that game and looking forward to it? Well, uh, it's pencilled in at the moment that day. I should to be confirmed. confirmed. Yeah, it's to be confirmed. But uh, two games before that, I've got Queen's Park, who are the best team in our league. Yeah, uh, We've got Morton again, who will want revenge. So I've got two quite, I think, very good games in preparation to then leading, leading into a very, very tough game. We'll, we'll approach a game like we're going to approach any other game. We'll, we'll go there to try and win it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we're in the semi-finals and you're only one game away now from a final so well, we've done quite well against Hearts in semi-finals before with uh, some, some some wins some defeats obviously but if we get to the final and touch would we win um, like we were saying it's it's the finals sort of ties in with the, the end of the championship season so what would it mean for yourself even just getting to a, a national final with the boys um, and maybe winning it what would it mean to you and the boys to get that achievement I just want the boys to get there if I'm being honest and then give them a better opportunity to, to be in football. So for myself, I'm not, I've not actually thought like what it would mean. I, it's more for the boys that, that gives them a huge opportunity to then have this statement of we've, we've managed to get there. And look, the statement is getting to the semi-finals. I mean, that's, really, that's a huge achievement for these guys. And from where I've seen them to to get there right now so I'm not going too far ahead of myself Hearts is going to be as tough as game as we've ever had uh, but in saying that anything can happen on one on a day of football Now I'm a big Miami Vice fan who knew we had a coach at the club called Don Johnson does, does he have a white suit it was two, there's two Don Johnsons who swaps the club, so one one's uh, white suit would be a lot bigger than the other one's white suit. Believe me, but I think the I think yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think the other one has climbed into his cow van and taken off. I don't think he's interested in football anymore. The the it's the Don Johnson I'm thinking of is uh, is he not one of the lads that used to do the um, or help with the video highlights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic achievement by the under 18s. Looks like it's going to be. Off the top of my head, Thursday the 24th of February, is that right, yeah. Stevie? At Tyne Castle. So if any Central Belt fans are looking to go to that, um, can fans go to it? Yeah? I think so. I think it, it, to be, even this stage of recording, to be confirmed, but that's what they're looking to do is have it on the Thursday the 24th at Tyne Castle. I think it's open. So, yeah, get along if you can and support the boys. I'll, I'll head along to that. We pint in Benson's beforehand. That'll be good. One thing that did come across in the interview there, Stevie, was I've written one thing down here. Pride. He sounds really, really proud of the boys. I think so. And yeah, he talks with a passion. And uh, I think it's, it's must be like a little school teacher. You get a group of boys for a certain 
amount of time, um, and then obviously they have to progress up or probably, which is much harder for those boys, is progress out. I mean, I'm sure they are heavily involved with the parents uh, at that age and seeing boys going to the first team, like obviously Roddy and even recently Lewis Nicholson, who came on against Kilmarnock. But yeah, he's got a lot of pride in it. And I know Cut Broadfoot and, and Topes help out as well and they, they love it. And uh, yeah, they probably have a, probably a close relationship than maybe some of the, the first team have with, with Billy and the coaches because of their age and the vulnerability. So yeah, he's doing a good job so far. Competition time. It's competition time. That's right. It's competition time. On the last pod, we asked who would like to win Robbie D's shirt. And the answer was about 65 of you. <laughs> thought it, we thought it might be a bit more, but um, yeah, there's not, he's quite live Robbie D's, isn't he? There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of fat in him, so it might not fit many of our listeners. I don't know. So um, have you dusted off your tombola machine? Can you do your best Rod Stewart impersonation and dip your hand theatrically into your bulbous bowl and pick out a winner? Um, so he picked a winner um, earlier on today and uh, Robbie Dees will announce who the, uh, the lucky winner of his shirt is. Congratulations to Ian McKinnon on winning my signed shirt on this month's Why a Shuffle podcast. Well done, Ian. Robbie D's there, giving us all for the club, literally giving the shirt off his back. Um, that is all from us for this first pod of 2022. We'll be back sometime in March when the team will undoubtedly have started picking up some wins. Undoubtedly, Austin Samuels will be terrorising defences. Sam Pearson will be the best player in the league. Roddy McGregor will pull... Imagine those two linking up. That'd be excellent. And our playoff push, maybe not immediate promotion, but our playoff push, push will be back underway. And remember, regardless, if we keep drawing, remember, just remember Bologna. Um, regardless, uh, until then, it's bye from all of my friends here. Bye. Yeah. It's bye from me. Uh, and until then, we're all off to, what, watch Miami Vice? Take care of yourself <laughs> oh, and each other. You. Bye for now. Yeah.